Yeah, Polly, I've got one for you. Yeah, all right. What is it? <laughs> you know how I love an early season mid-range centre wing pod, right? Yes. So, like, the last two seasons, uh, last year I started with Ken Mamalo, who you massively pish-boshed. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think pretty sure he ended up in, like, the top four or five centre wings. Yep. The year before, I started with Isan Masters. Same thing. I think they were both like 1.5% ownership uh, at the beginning of the year. Both of them end up in the top four or five center wings. Isan Masters again, you shit it all over. Um, yeah. But what I've come to realize, well, what happened both those times is that within about three or four rounds, like everyone had them because they were mid-priced and they weren't hard to get and they didn't stay pods for very long. Um, so I've been thinking about that a fair bit recently. Right. And, I've, and what I want to ask you is who have been the big pods of the last couple of years, um, you know, the ones that really made it a big difference? Um, so I think, I think especially with, uh, yeah, so, so because people have so, so many trades now, you have to get ahead early and then you can just sort of, Stay ahead and and trade into whoever um, whoever else everyone is buying, um, and just yeah maintain your lead. I think you have to get somewhat yeah you have to get an early pod. I feel like definitely last year, um, what's uh, Cody Walker was the standout one. I think a couple of years ago maybe uh, Widdop as well. Yeah. Um. So all right. So so, so last- Cody Walker. Yeah, yeah so, so Cody Walker last year, I think that's right. DCE a little bit. Uh, yeah. Cameron Munster, I think, had a good run at the beginning. And and the year before, Gareth Whitted was, like, ridiculous, right? He, he had, like, so a 200-point yeah, game or something. Yeah, but the but the thing that stood out in for, for all those halves, and they're all halves, um, is... Uh, their draw. They all had like really, really easy draws. Like Souths last year was a stupidly easy draw. Um, the Widdop game that you're mentioning from a couple of years ago was like a round three game against the Titans. Yeah, um, that's right. Where he just, yeah, we went, we went nuts. But you said, okay, so you said two, well, two things there. Draw, they, they were all halves. And the other yep. thing is they were all keeper priced. Most of those guys were fully priced. So the, the guys I was talking about before, Mamalo and, and Masters, were kind of in the 400K range, right? These guys yeah, yeah. were all like 600K, right? Yeah, yeah. So what happens in your halves? So, so typically what I do in the halves or what I have done is I pick one or two keepers, maybe maybe a keeper at halfback, a keeper at 5'8", and probably maybe a, a, a mid-pricer in one of, those, one of those spots that I think has got a bit of upside and maybe a rookie or maybe even two yeah. rookies. Yep. Right? Yeah. So if, if one of the guys so so last year, for example, I started with Cleary and Ponga. Right. Um, and both of them actually started pretty slow. Yeah. But if one of if one of those guys, like a Widdop or a Cody Walker, whoever it is, goes goes bang at the beginning, you can't trade your cheapie up to them in like round two or three. And then Yeah, it's too much of a jump. It's too much of a jump. You don't have the cash. And you can't well, you feel like you'd be chasing last week's points if you if you trade in your keeper. Like if I traded Nathan Cleary in for, you know, Cody Walker, 
you just feel like you're chasing last week's points and you're trading a keeper for a keeper and that sounds, seems like Tra- a bad trade. Traded clearly out, yeah. Yeah, but, yeah. you wouldn't want to do that, right? Yeah. So, how, yeah, yeah. So, these guys, so these guys stay pods for like 10 rounds. No one has them for that reason. Right, like you just like no one can get them basically unless they trade out trade out their own keeper. Well, I, I feel like they stay pods as long as they have an easy run of games. So like Walker's last year lasted longer because he had a longer run of easy games. Um, whereas I remember like Widdop got up to around like seven hundred thousand dollars or the equivalent. I think he got like dollars. in the mid eight hundreds. But anyway, did he? Yeah, anyway, yeah, yeah. He he got so high that that. That's what kind I mean. of like, he got so high you couldn't get it. Yeah, he, he, had, he had to come down. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but um, also, but also those 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 guys who had him, you went to get rid of him. Sure, sure. And you can get rid of them, and you make a lot of money, and you then you bank the points, and other people get on them late, and then they they probably have a dip, and so it's even worse getting yeah. on them late. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it's got me thinking, who's it going to be this year? And it's got me thinking. So I think, like pretty much all the teams I've seen have uh, Moses and Williams, and then they have Luai as their backup five eight or in one of those positions, and then like a cheapie, like a Crossland. Yeah. Um, I've seen a few teams with Cleary in them, mm-hmm. but again, if that's what the setup is like, and one of those other guys goes bang, none of those guys are going to be able to get those to get the guy that goes bang in unless they trade out. You know, Moses. Um, okay, but but if your argument's correct, then Moses is the right guy to have because the Eels have such an easy draw to begin the season. Yeah, but it's so hard to pick, right? Like, yeah, we've been talking about easy draw, but I don't know if it's just about easy draw. Like, I reckon there's like half a dozen guys that could theoretically go go bang. Um. Uh. You know, like like even the guys with the bad draws, like Cameron Munster, like he doesn't need to play a bat. Like if you actually look at his record, sometimes he goes bang against the good teams. He even got like 130 yep. against South last year. Yeah. Um. So like Melbourne have a pretty average draw at the beginning, but like it wouldn't surprise me if he goes nuts. Um. DCE is another one I like. Um. You know, it could be Cody Walker again. It could be. Could be Mitchell Pierce. Uh, I don't necessarily yeah, think it no, will be, yeah. but like. So anyway, I guess I guess what I'm what I'm trying to say, I think I'm going to go for two gun at least two gun halves, as in uh-huh. I'm probably going to go Moses and Williams and like and then another gun like a DCE or a Munster, rather than go uh-huh. for the cheapie, even if a cheapie gets named, uh-huh. in order to try and hit that that half pod that goes crazy. It's still a gamble. I might not hit them. Yeah. But it also, if I've got two keepers there, I might, I might feel less bad about jumping off off my one and jumping onto one of the one of the guns that goes well. Mm-hmm. Not sure about that, but we'll see. Okay, so, I, th- 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 if you're picking a player like this, it's got to be a guy who has the ability to score over a hundred, like absolutely, yeah. You know, if, if, if you, if it's got to be you. like you want so, them to to. To be guys to go absolutely bananas every now and then. Yeah, yeah. And there's actually not that many players who can do that. So in, in halfback, maybe Cleary, SJ, Moses, Cherry, definitely. Yep. Um, maybe Ben Hunt. Yep. There's really 
I, I don't really think Pierce is is, is or maybe maybe Mitchell Pierce, but um, that's pretty much it at halfback at five eighth. Munster, yeah. Uh, Cody Walker, yes. Maybe Kiri. Yeah, definitely. Maybe Keary. Milford. Maybe yeah, Milford. Ma- that's maybe it. Milford. That's it. That's it. There's like eight guys. There's eight guys who actually have the potential for it, and then you just got to pick the right, that's, you know, two of those eight. <laughs> that's pretty hard. <laughs> it's kind no, of it's but, probably, but, for me, it's probably one from eight because I'm going to start with Moses and Williams, and everyone's going to start with Moses and Williams. So I'm, I'm not even including them in that conversation. Okay. So, and I don't think, well, I mean, theoretically, you could start with four guns or, or, or Williams and three guns. Um, mm-hmm. But that's a lot of cash. And I don't think I'm necessarily going to do that. I think, I think I'll probably get Luai and, and I'll probably try and get one other gun. So I've basically got a one from eight shot needing it. To me, Moses and Williams is the right move because that, because as well as the Eels, Canberra have the other majorly easy draw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, season. completely agree. I think Moses and Williams is the right move, but I'm, I'm saying in one of the reserve spots, if you will, get another one. Right. Okay. So your strategy is going to be go quite heavy in the halves. Yeah. Try to get the pod gun half who uh, who based on draw or your gut feel or whatever might go well really early. Yeah. Ride him as much as you can, then get rid of him and, and yeah, just basically ro- roll through the season uh, on the benefit that that player's given you. Absolutely. And we won't know yeah. who the actual pods are, you know, because we won't see ownership for a little while. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, I'm, if, if DCE has low ownership, I'm probably leaning towards DCE. They, they start with, like, Melbourne and the Roosters, but their draw from rounds three to six, I think, is very good. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I'm, you know, as long as it doesn't go really badly in those first two rounds, if he goes really well well from rounds four to six or three to six, jump off him in round eight before Origin, you know, trade him to mm-hmm. a Cody Walker or something. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Okay, but I'm not convinced okay, I know the so- one. Anyway. Yeah. So, talking a bit about the schedule and, you know, how Eels, Raiders, whoever have, have pretty good starting schedules, like, are you do you use strength of schedule in your planning when you put your team together? Yeah, I do. I do. I do go through the draws. What I will say is that I think the draw and the schedule is very hard to pick. In rugby league, there is a lot of sort of turnover between good good teams and bad teams from year to year. So I wouldn't mm-hmm. – I, I try not to get too carried away with picking based on draw, and I only pick backs based on draw. Like forwards, I don't think it makes any difference for forwards, I only, unless it's a hooker that has like yeah. some attacking stats in them or something. But basically it's just backs that I look at. Um, and I tend to like, I don't want to look at like one game in particular. So I don't want to pick, you know, a guy for one game because I just think that's too hard to hit. Mm-hmm. Um, so I tend to try and look at like a string of four or five games that I, that I think looks juicy. Um, yeah, I think like Ponga last year, for example, from about round five onwards had a very, very easy run. Absolutely. For about four to five games. Yeah. And there are some teams that, 
just are really good at home in particular. So, like, you know, Manly at Brookie just seemed to go a third leg. Like, both DC and the Turbo brothers, particularly Tom Turbo, like Tom Turbo's average at Brookie is insane. I think, yeah. I think he turned up, like, four out of the six games or something that he played at Brookie last year. Um, yeah, okay. So, I'm, like, Tom Turbo was probably my first pick, and... Mm-hmm. They're playing, I think, the Warriors and the Titans within the first six rounds, and he will be my captain straight away in both those games. Not even vice-captain. He'll be straight-up captain in both those games. Okay. Um, yeah, so I, so I sort of look at, at stuff like that. I, like Back in the day, I used to look at SJ playing at home against weak teams. Mm-hmm. Um, if he had like a good run of home games, like he was just so much better at home than he was away, and he was just a machine at home. Um. Yeah, I mean, we talked a bit about like you mentioned the Raiders schedule. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think the Raiders schedule is great, but there's no players in that team. I mean, George Williams is cheap, so I'm going to get him. But there's no other than George Williams. There's no other player in that team that I think can really take advantage of like a great schedule that well. There's no backs in that team that I. You know, I think you're going to go 150. Like, actually, I had a bit of a look at Whiten the other day, um, and he didn't. Even though he had a breakout year last year, he didn't crack 100. He had a couple of, like 90-ish games. So really? don't. Yeah, he didn't crack 100. Um, so I don't think Whiten's quite the guy. I mean, he like he got better as the season progressed. So it's possible that he'll like have a few big games early in the season. But I don't think he's that guy that's going to get get you like 140 points one day. Um, mm-hmm. and that you can like maybe throw the captain on. So yeah, I guess that's the, the, the way I look at it. I look at particular players that have particularly easy maybe home games, um, and in a, and in a row of them, two or three of them, and then and then target those guys that I think can like really go bang. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. What about you? Uh, I I love the strength of schedule. Like I, I, I love it, <laughs> and I and I and I and I love looking. I love looking at it like from year to year and see see how how a team uh, was ranked in, in the strength of schedule from one year to another. You, you need to use like the same website or the same source to keep the methodology straight because some of them will just base it on where they finished last year. Some will base it on um, their premiership premiership odds this year or a combination of something like that. But whatever it is. Um, yeah, I think it makes a big difference. So, like, a team... Yeah, go on. Sorry, I was just going to say one thing. There's um, a guy in NRL, Supercoach Talk, actually, shout out. Um, he he did a strength of schedule thing, and but he did it just for the first 11 rounds or the first 12 rounds, which uh-huh. I find really useful because I don't really give a shit about the schedule for the whole season because you get, like, however many trades. Um, yeah. And your whole team can be different by the end of the season. So I don't really, really focus on those first sort of 10 to 12 rounds. And so he mm-hmm. did a, a strength of schedule for that, and I found that really interesting. And, again, he had Raiders first, Paris second, I think the Broncos third over the first 12 yeah, rounds. Okay. Anyway, sorry, go on. Yeah. And, you know, you, you, like the Broncos is a good example. They had such a hard schedule last year. And not only was, was it a difficult schedule, but it was uh, – the difficulty was weighted to the front end of the season. So they were just playing hard teams really early on 
and they were losing a lot of games and they were under a lot of pressure and that just kind of made things worse and they only sort of started to dig themselves out of it a little bit near the end of the season. Yeah. Right. Um, and, yeah, and, and so so I think I think it is an important thing to look at. Um, you know, people say this year the Titans will improve because they have a new coach, but they have potentially the hardest schedule of any team. So they might still be rubbish. Yeah, um, but I mean, who are you going to like? Are you going to pick a Titan, Titans back anyway? No, no, I guess not. Um, I've looked. But, actually, I actually had a brief look at AJ Brimson. Even yeah, Ash Taylor, if he kicks goals. Okay, is is uh, Mick Gordon coming back? No, no, Mick's he's gone. He's been he's put gone? out to okay. pasture. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, he's roaming, roaming the countryside. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so the Eels and Raiders we, we've mentioned have a good schedule, but not not only do they have a good schedule, they were in the bottom half based on strength of schedule last year. So their their uh, strength of schedule differential has has really really gone through the roof. Whereas a team like the Dragons, who everyone's like, oh yeah, well they finished second last last year. They're not gonna, you know, they might they might be a little bit better this year, but not much better. I think they're actually going to come last this year because they went from the easiest they well they went from the easiest schedule to either, either the second hardest or the hardest schedule. So. And the, and the team is the team has fallen apart in the last two years. So, uh, yeah. yeah, I look. I mean, that's that's an interesting stat about their schedule. I didn't know that that the, their schedule was like had had changed the most between the two years. Uh, I actually think that they might be a little bit better than they were last year. Schedule aside, I think Merrin is actually going to be a really good pickup for them to fill that JDB hole. I think they really struggled at lock last year. They were playing, what's that, like, fat guy's name that they were playing that? Um, uh, uh, not Josh Kerr. Um, oh, man, what's his name? You know who I mean? <laughs> anyway, yeah, yeah, um, he's like, he's a bit of a bit of a nuffy player. Um, so I think Merrim will help there. I think their forward pack is pretty good. You know, Graham, Bourne, McInnes, Sims, Frizzell. And Marin. Blake Laurie. That's, that's the guy. Blake Laurie. Yeah, Blake Laurie. He's a bench player if ever I've seen one. Um, yeah. I think their forward pack's pretty good. I think the halves are solid. Centers are all right. They're, they're, they need a fullback. That's a big problem. Fullback's probably the most important position these days. But I think the team is fine. Like, And I think they suffered a lot from JDB's, that whole situation with JDB and like Mary, like doing that thing with Dufty where he was like on the bench and then coming in and they were shifting the spine around. That was a complete disaster. So like, yeah, that was horrible. I think, I think they can, you know, if he doesn't do any stupid shit like that, maybe they will be a little bit better than last year, but yeah, the schedule thing's pretty interesting. Um, so Dufty can't defend and that's, that's, that's the main reason why, um, why he was coming off the bench and why he's not really in the consideration now. But yeah, it looks like he's completely out of the picture now, right? Like they're talking about he's, Lomax he's, and or maybe Salo yeah, yeah. getting the fullback gig and Dufty's just like left right out, right? Yeah, but I don't see why they couldn't have just played him on the wing. Like he can, I, I feel like he can actually defend better on the wing where he can sort of 
run a little bit he's with tiny. his opposing winner. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's tiny. So, which like, means... you could jump straight over him. You know what? Have, yeah. you, have you thought about those new rules as well? You heard about the new rule where you, which like, one? you can't tackle the oh, yeah, can't, attacking yeah. player in the air anymore, which yeah. means that, like, some of the tall wingers, like Virgo or whatever, like the tall jumping wingers, what's his name, Daniel Tupo, could, like, just potentially, like, just jump over people unopposed. Jason Saab all the way. Jason Saab, yeah. yeah. Um, um, so, hang on. So, back back to strength of schedule. So, funny you should mention strength of schedule. I have, at the moment, Moses, Wonga Blake, and Blake Ferguson all in my team pretty much based on strength of schedule and the fact that Parramatta tend to be flat-track bullies, as in they, they smash bad teams um, but get beaten by good teams. Uh, yeah. Okay. So, okay. So Moses, I totally understand. Explain to me Wonga Blake and Blake Ferguson, who are on the same side of the field. Explain that. So, firstly, I've never understood this like same side of the field or same team thing. I don't understand why people don't like being playing picking two players on the same side of the field. Um, but anyway, um, Wonga Blake looked a lot better towards the end of last season. Once he sort of found his groove in Parramatta, his average actually picked up quite a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, he So he averaged like, I don't know, 40-odd last year. So he's like quite reasonably priced at 370. But he averaged, I think he averaged 57 the year before. So he has it in him. Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. He has it in him to, to be a gun. His, his work ethic is terrible. But I just reckon against some of those te- teams that, like he's a big, fast guy. He's he's been able to train with the team now. You know, it's Moses' dominant side. I just reckon he could get a few meat pies early um, with that strength strength of draw. Virgo. So I've actually seen Wonga Blake in a lot of teams. So I'm not the only one picking Wonga Blake. A lot of people are seeing a bit bit of value there. Again, he is a risk because he's got the not a great work work ethic. But Virgo is the big pod. I haven't seen Fergo in any other team. Um, yeah, maybe people uh, are scared away. I don't, I don't away mind Fergo actually. Fergo, well, I, I he, like just because he's got that good work ethic, right? Like he, yeah. he's always taking hit ups. He's a big bloke. There's no, I don't think make us like. I don't think Sebo's going to be there at the end of the year. I think he's like caught up in mm-hmm. some Fijian court case. Um, yeah. and so more more than likely he'll probably do more work. To cover for Sebo, who was like a bit of a workhorse himself, um, yeah. and I just think he can score yeah. a bag of tries. It wouldn't surprise me if he like scores a hat trick in one of those games. Yeah, and he also had like a ten point game last year when he got injured and went off quite early. Yeah, I think he went off at like half time one of the games, and like okay. he had his yeah. nose smashed all over his face, and like I think that actually kind of hurt his confidence a bit last year. He got he did get like a couple of concussions, I think maybe or something. Uh-huh. Um, so, okay. All right. So, but it's basically I, I, basically strength of schedule and he's a big bloke and he's got a good work ethic. And I don't okay. think he plays Origin so, and they play around 12. Okay. So, everything you just said, I'm going to apply to Ryan Madison, who would be in my team. Um, and And he's the reason why I'm a bit apprehensive about both Blake and Ferguson. So, right. tell me why. All right. All right. I'm, I'm so, very interested to hear this. All right. So last year, uh, I started with Isan Masters at the Tigers. 
Yeah, okay. And he started okay, but then he started to fall off a bit. And I kept watching the games, and I'm like, okay, Isan's going to go in, Isan's going to go in, he's going to score right here. And then Madison would just come in and vulture every ball, would run some great, great lines um, close to the try line and just get the short pass and go over or, or himself just cut out to the winger or something like that. I, and I feel like Madison is going to be just blocking a lot of that ball going out to uh, Blake and Fergo. Cock block. And f- yeah, he will cock block. And, f- and for that reason, I actually think Madison will do really, really well at the Eels. Um, I think he'll score a lot of tries, but he will limit Blake, uh, well, Blake Ferguson and Wong and Blake's upside. I don't know. I don't see it. Um, I don't, I don't. I don't necessarily agree that he's going to limit Wonga Blake and, and Fergo. I think Moses loves the like little chip kick to the winger, to Fergo in particular. Fergo could yeah. be one of the beneficiaries of that new rule. Um, mm-hmm. Wonga Blake, he's less of a risk anyway because he's cheap. He only needs to go over for a meat pie or two and he'll make some money. Um, but Madison just goes against it. So, I mean, Madison's a good intro for something I want to talk about, which is some of my general principles for picking a team at the beginning of the year. Um, yeah. And I just think he's fully priced. He scored, you know, I had a look at him the other day. He scored five tries last year. How many tries do you think he's going to score? Like he had, he scored five tries. I think like at different times he kind of defended in the middle. Like he had huge, um, you know, huge base stats. Like I just don't see any upside to Madison. He's a keeper, yeah, I, but like, can't see he's going to outscore what he did last year. How many tries did you say? Five? Five. Can you see him scoring less than five this year? I think five's probably about right. I certainly don't see him scoring more than that. I kind of do. You know who I, 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 feel know like... who I kind of like and kind of hate myself for liking? I actually <laughs> like the guy on the other side, Sean Lane. He only, <laughs> he only scored... Are you laughing? Are you laughing at me? <laughs> yeah, I, I know a lot of people got burnt by him last year and I was actually not one of those people because I didn't see the hype um, funnily enough and now I'm talking about and he's not in my team at the moment but I'm thinking about him because he why he can score a try there was, was a season at Manly where he scored like some stupid amount of tries like 12 or 13 tries um, like Madison, he he does run wonderful lines. He runs mon- and, and he's enormous. And and remember, yeah. he was actually going pretty well last year. Like he's got shitty base stats, but he scored three tries early in the season last year. And then Dylan Brown got injured. Yeah, that's true. Um, who was, and I think uh, Dylan Brown who, is actually potentially a better ball player to his second rower than 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 Moses is. Like I said, Moses okay. loves to like the cutout pass to the winger. Yeah. All right. I uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'll go with Sean Lane as a sneaky pod. I want to ask you whether you have. Because Madison, I, I, I kind of touched on it with, when you said Madison. I 
I kind of have some general principles when I'm trying to put together a, an initial squad. And I think Supercoach just mm-hmm. opened today, so it's pretty timely thinking about your initial squad. Um, yep. And one of them is I try not to pick fully priced players. And it really annoys me when I hear people talk about banking the points. Oh, I'm just going to pick this guy. I know he's fully priced, but I just want to bank the points. To me, that's madness. Yeah, I yeah. Like, if I, if you think about it mathematically, if every single one of my guys is underpriced that I'm playing in my 17, and it's effectively what I'm trying to do is have the most underpriced players um, in my 17, and then I will score more points than everyone else. Does that make sense? Yes. So... But, I don't want to have anyone but, that's fully priced. Really. There, besides, there are a couple the cap- of, besides the captain. Potentially besides the captain. Yeah. So typically I'll have like three or four captaincy options. To, I'll have maybe a couple in the forwards and a couple in the backs or a couple in the forwards and maybe one back, like a, like Turbo I talked about earlier. This year probably Haas or a Cook or a, um, a Taumalolo. And, mm-hmm. and the, captains, the captains are an exception because they are underpriced in themselves because of the captaincy, right? Like, if you can, um, if you pick a captain, if, if you've got a guy that's going to score 10, more, 10 points more than the next best guy, you're getting that, that extra 10 points twice, right? Yeah. So, yep. by definition, they're kind of underpriced that way. So, I think you do have to pick a couple of, like, some couple of those really good players as captaincy options. And a couple, I tend to pick a couple of safe ones in the forwards and one or two in the backs. Um, that's a good sort of vice captain option. But apart from that, everyone else in my team, I want to be seriously undervalued. And, and Madison's not a captaincy option, I don't think. Well, I think a few people probably captained him at some stages last year, but to me, he's not really in that kind of top echelon. He's not a captaincy option, but he's a keeper option. And so people are getting him because they feel like they can save a trade in that position. Yeah, but there's other guys that are keepers that are probably under undervalued, right? And also, I don't know. I feel like you get a lot of trades. Uh, yeah, you do. But they are they are potentially keepers or undervalued keepers if you if you can logically come to that conclusion. But I don't think there are that many players this year who you can look at and say, okay, Madison's worth you know six hundred and twenty thousand dollars or whatever it is. This person's worth five twenty. Let's say Crichton as a, as an example. If if you say to me Crichton's going to play eighty minutes on the edge, then yes, I would rather have a Crichton than a Madison. But until until I can know that, I want Madison because I get. No, see, I, I don't. No, I don't understand that because at least Crichton has upside if he does get eighty. For me, there is like basically no upside with Madison. Yeah, Unless he's right. Stumhouse Mad- goes 10 tries, which I just don't think is going to happen, there's no upside. Right, but if both if both of them if both of them just hit their hit their preseason average through the first five or six weeks, then you've, lost you've nothing been getting because you've got your your money's worth for both of them. Yeah, but Madison, you will you will keep in your team, whereas Crichton will have to go. That yeah. trade's worth something. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, yeah, but I mean, 
I guess what I'm trying to say is people tend to have this, this like aversion, say, to mid, mid-price players, for example. And I get that mid-price players are, they're hard to pick. Like a good, a good mid-pricer that actually goes up in value is hard to pick. And, and maybe eight times out of 10, they, you know, they're the Kurt Capewells of this world that don't do very well. Um, but theoretically, you could pick, you know, 14 mid-prices. Um, and if you pick them all correctly, you could do, you could, you could do extremely well. So I don't buy this kind of, don't buy, you know, this guns and rookies strategy, pick a bunch of guns that are probably maxed out price and and pick a bunch of rookies that could potentially only score 30. I think, I think if there's not good, really good rookie, um, options, I think you've got to look at the mid prices and I think there are some good ones this year. Not that many. Okay. I uh, I really feel like this year, uh, you know how like every year people say like, oh, there's no there's there's no cows where we're going to make money, rah rah rah, and then like yeah, then there's like a bunch of injuries and yeah, yeah, yeah. So so whilst it's still twenty first of January and we're, and we've got a farewell to go until round one, looking at um, predicted team lists looking at the kind of rookies that seem to be coming through there's just not they're, they're not they're not the standout rookies or standout cows um at oh, this point agree. of the year and then then the, compared compared to many other years particularly last year which was one of the easiest years that i've ever played but that to me that i love it right i see that as an opportunity oh, yeah. like last year you were able to take this easy option you know getting like Britain Cora, Maker Sevo, that what's his name, Ruben Garrick, um, go really cheap in centre wing, and these guys were scoring amazingly. Like Ruben Garrick was kicking goals and scored like fifteen tries during the year. Sevo was like highest try scorer. Nakora was like an eighty-minute rookie back rower who was scoring tries off SJ, and then you had like Hoxstad who was cheap. He was amazing. Am I missing anyone? Like I agree, you're not. There's not going to be that crop. But what that's going to mean is that it's a lot harder, and people are going to pick some bad rookies, and they're going to play them, and they're going to have to play them every week, and they're going to get punished. So the last couple of years, the kind of center, the, the cheap center wing strategy has really paid off. I still think that's a, a, it's actually an anomaly. I don't think we're going to get very many years where that actually, you know, playing two or three of these guys in your seventeen is going to pay off. I think most years they're going to be garbage and you're going to get like a 25 average from some of those center wing guys that are bottom dollar and and picking the right kind of underpriced mid-ranger in that position is going to be the right way to go. And it's burned yeah, me the last couple of years because I have been, you know, because, because the crop has been so good. Um, but I like it this year because I think it's a real challenge getting the, getting the mid-rangers right. I agree to an extent, but the um, but the flip side of that argument is if you're picking mid-rangers in your centre instead of cheapies, then you're probably picking cheapies in the forwards and they make money very slowly. 100%. And that just makes it, again, more challenging again. And that's, that's one of my other general principles, uh, which is... Don't pick a fourth rotation prop, no matter what. Oh, absolutely. 
so what I'm talking about there is you see, you know, Teamless Tuesday comes out, you see these teams, some like name you never heard of pops up on the bench and you're like, perfect, I'll slot him into my like my front row. And then what happens is is the full, so, you know, two starting props, there's there's another prop on the bench, and that's he's the he's the number one go to guy when there's you know, someone needs a rest, he gets thirty five minutes, he's fine. The fourth prop, sometimes even the fifth prop. Sometimes they have three props on the bench. The fourth prop can get like 15 minutes and they're not going to make any money and they're just they're just dirt. So I think you've got to really pay attention in the forwards to to, to what the rotation is going to be and if that guy is actually going to get any time. Yeah, I think I think the easiest or the, or the most reliable strategy in the front row, um, besides Payne Haas this year, is... Look for the number three prop who is likely to become a starting prop this year. So, like last year, a good example was um, Alex Twall, who, yeah. who was a bench prop in 2018. Last year, he became a starting prop um, and he made $100,000. So, who's going to start at the Panthers? That's the right wins. Tedavano, maybe? At the Panthers? Yeah. Did, did Ted, oh, Tedavano went to the Panthers, did he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. What about Fisher-Harris? Or is he, he going to play lock? Uh, Fish, yeah, I think Fisher-Harris would play lock, wouldn't he? I don't know. They've got Isaiah Yo. He could play lock. Does Capewell start? Yeah, and they bought Capewell. Yeah. Capewell and Capewell uh, and um, what's his name? Big no, unit. I, Kick I, out. I reckon, yeah. Look, I think... I think Capewell and Yo might share a role. One of them is going to start and the other one's going to be the bench utility, I feel. Okay. The so question is, the... Are, they, are, they going to, are they going to have a backup hooker? Yeah, well, that affects Clarice out. But who's the th- – like, so there might be an opportunity in Penrith for the third prop. Yes. I don't know. Tedovano is probably too expensive. So if, it's, it is, if it is Tenovato, then probably not. So but if he like, starts, assume Tamo and Tedovano start, right? Yeah. Who have they got? They got Leota. Oh, they. Oh, I love Moses Leota. <laughs> I do too. I actually, I think I started with him last year. Yeah. Didn't, it didn't go very well. Handy. It didn't go very well. Um, didn't he score some? Didn't he score a trial too early on? Uh you might. It might have happened after it, where he cut him loose. Yeah, they've no, got the, he didn't. Uh, he didn't really come on. As I wanted him they've to. Got, yeah, they've got that Spencer Lenu guy. Yeah, he's got big wraps um, on him, right? But it, like, he's the kind of guy. Like, it's going to be tough because I've heard really good things about him. So he could be like a Payne Haas type. Like, he's not going to be as good as Payne Haas, but he could be like, you know, one of those guns that does get some minutes, or he could be that fourth prop in the rotation that gets junk time. So yeah. he could be a potential big trap. But what do you do? Like, you can't. You you don't have money to spend everywhere, but. Yeah. Yeah, so that's that's good. I think it's good. It makes it hard. Hey, I have got a question for you. Yeah. Brandon Smith. What do you th- what do you think about Brandon Smith? Do you reckon he'll get more minutes? So there's this weird talk about Cam Smith playing halfback. Didn't like yeah, Bellamy come out during the year and say Cam Smith's going to play halfback this year? 
not that I can recall. I maybe. thought there was like uh, something something about Cam Smith maybe playing halfback this year, um, which would be interesting. But apparently they've got some they've got some gun rookie. Um, that, that will probably play like if that happens, he might play hook ahead of Brandon Smith, and they keep Brandon Smith in that kind of lock, like that bench lock role, just because he's so good at it. Um, in answer to your question, yeah, I'm not looking at Brandon Smith. I don't, I don't think that his minutes go up that much. I think he's going to be used in that impact role. He might have a little bit of upside, but I'm not really, not really interested. Why do you like Brandon Smith? What are you seeing? So- I see a player that um, got his first taste or got his first proper taste of first grade last year and excelled. I think Craig Bellamy's a good coach who actually... Um, it's like understanding actually, of the decade. Well, okay. Yeah. He sees a good player and he plays a good player. Unlike many of these other coaches that see good players and bench good players. Um, so I feel like Brandon Smith will get more minutes and... I kind of feel like he was losing time last year to Pappenheisen coming off the bench. Yeah, maybe. What were, what were his minutes? Uh, his minutes were... He's going to be one of those guys that got more minutes than you think, I reckon. If I had to guess, I would say like 45. Oh, no, no, he did, but... Maybe even more, maybe uh, 50. He averaged 42 minutes. Mm. He, but, could, he could probably get 50 this year, maybe? Yeah. Well, he could. if he gets 50 at a PPM of 1.1, that's, what, an extra nine points? Yeah. That's pretty good. That's all right. I still, um, I still think I prefer Jack Williams, who was on – he had 37 min, minutes last year and he's going to get 50. But, I mean, you could, you could have both. I, yeah, don't, I, don't, I think it's less likely that Brandon Smith gets more minutes like there is, I think there's a chance that he gets more minutes, but I'm I'm not confident that he gets significantly more minutes. Yeah, but he helps you out in two positions as well. Yeah, and you like you like that. There are so few, right? There are so few dual players this year that I feel like if there's one with even a little bit of upside, you got to take it. I I won't be so, going there, but I can see some. So in the first three, four, five, six, so in the first ten rounds Mm. that Brandon Smith played last year, he did not play a single game over fifty minutes. Yeah. In the last in the last seven rounds, uh, five of them were over fifty minutes. So he was definitely he was definitely getting more time near the end of the season. Yeah, it's interesting. He only scored three tries, so it's not like uh, yeah, not like a that's huge amount of attacking stuff. Exactly, exactly. What's he? So, what's he like four fifty or something? Uh, he is four thirty one. Yeah, you're like somewhat talking me around. I still yeah, don't I, I, think I'm going to start him, but I'll have a look at him. I feel like if you're going to go with two cheaper hookers with upside, uh, he's a good second row stash. Once one of those two guys um, either makes their money or doesn't make their money, 
you just sell them and you can move him up there and bring someone in to second row. If you've got two cheap hookers, yeah. Yeah, because you don't. Because what are the chances of another like four four hundred thousand dollar or five hundred thousand dollar hooker coming along that you actually want? You're going to want to trade out a Coruscant or a Braley to Damien Cook or Cameron Smith, and that jump might be too uh, too high um, initially. But if you can put Brandon Smith there for a little bit and then make the jump later when the opportunity arises, then it's it gives you so much more flexibility. Yeah, it does seem like every, like a lot of people are going to start with Corey Sauer and Braley, although I've seen Cook in a lot of teams as well. I think, I think I'm going to start with Corey Sauer and Braley. They've just got too much upside for me. And, and I, I actually agree. think that Cook, he only averaged two points less last year than he did the year before, but his, his end of the season was much worse. Yeah, I think he yeah. only turned up once in like the back end of the season. And he just, I don't know. I'm not that scared of not having him this year as I was last year. Yeah. Uh, last and he had year. quite a so lot of I... sub-50 games as well. So he's not like that real, he's not a strong captaincy option as he was the year before. Yeah. So last year he had um, five games where he scored over 100. Yeah, but four of them in the first them... half, right? Yeah, four of them were, were before before the first Origin game. Mm. I don't know if he was just like tired or what. Maybe he'll start the season better. Does Burgess oh, also, going hurt him? Uh, he he mostly plays like Murray, right? Yeah, I would say it doesn't hurt him if if somebody else comes along like an arrow. I feel like maybe they are a little bit undercooked at the moment, especially with players like Liam Knight starting apparently, but. We'll see. I don't mind. But, but, but this, this isn't, goes isn't back to Liam Knight, the guy that, like, what did he do with the breathalyzer? I don't know. What did he do? Oh, there's some, like, ridiculous story about, like, oh, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to, like, look it up. I can't even remember. But he did some something ridiculous when he was, he was, like, wasted and got breathalyzed and tried to do something ridiculous to get out of it. Um, oh, he sprayed Aragard into his mouth. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember what Josh Papali did? No. Josh Papali was at like Jared Croker's wedding in Canberra, right? Yeah. I think it was his wedding yeah. or his engagement party, something yeah. like that. Got absolutely yeah. shit faced. Yeah. Drove home, pulled over, called the cops, and said, there's a drunk guy on the side of the road. You should come and pick him up. And, and so they did. And he was talking about himself. And then they said, why did you call us about yourself? And he said, I was trying to make a point. I was making a point. To who? I don't know. <laughs> well. <laughs> um. Sorry, what were we talking about? Liam Knight, the bunnies. Yeah, I don't mind yeah. Liam Knight. I thought I thought he had a pretty good season last year. Obviously, Arrow would be like a massive trade up for them. Um, Wait, you, you, by by, I don't mind Liam Knight. Do you mean you you would actually select him in your team? Probably not. You? I've seen him actually in a lot of teams. Um, he's got a good PPM. I, he's not in my team at the moment. He's probably got a little bit of upside. What I was his? Don't know do you know what his minutes were? Who sprayed? Right in his mouth. 
he he's been at like five different clubs, right? Because he kept like doing stupid shit. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh, he averaged forty-one minutes last year. Yeah. Okay. That's. I can't see him getting more than forty-five, maybe forty-seven or something. It's not a huge amount of upside. Do you actually think he's a better player than Satola? Maybe. I don't think Tatola's... Like, I actually rate Tatola. I quite like Tatola as well. So do I. Yeah, I like him but, too. But he seems like he's got that sort of bench role. Who knows? Tatola yeah. might start. Didn't Tatola start like the whole of last season? Yeah, he did. They kept like, naming yeah. him on the bench and then starting him? Yeah, yeah, he did. Um. All right. I want to know what your buy planning strategy is. So are you going to pick players based on whether they play the first buy or not, or is it just like a kind of like tiebreaker tool for you when you can't decide between two players? A lot of people say that, that tiebreaker tool thing. In, and I don't know if I agree with it. In the, in the modern era where there are now only two buy rounds rather than three, and I can tell you what, I used to love the three buy, buy rounds. It was a massive head fuck trying to plan around those three buy rounds, but it was like mm-hmm. it was a beautiful thing when you got it right. Um, yeah. And you could really make some ground over those three buy rounds if you if you nailed it. Like now it's, it's definitely less important with the, the, the two buy rounds. It's easier and less important. And mm-hmm. there's more trades that we get these days. What do we get these days? 36. Yeah. 36 uh, or 40 or 30, 37 I 37 thought. is it okay um i think yeah so so what i've been thinking about lately is is only really thinking about the buy rounds in terms of my keepers or at least guys that i would be happy to keep until round 12 a lot of the times mm-hmm. in past years i've had guys like i've picked a bunch of you know, sort of rookies thinking, oh, yeah, you know, I'll play them in the buy. And then you just get to this awful set, like, situation in round eight or something where you want to trade them out because they're pretty much maxed out in price, but you feel torn mm-hmm. because you're losing a buy round guy. Um, mm-hmm. So, like, Tamalolo is a good example, right? Like, he plays that first buy. He's a keeper. He's not going to play Origin. I think those guys are – I put a little weight into the fact that they play round 12. Moses yep. is another good one. Like, I don't think Moses plays Origin. I think he's a keeper at halfback. Unless he, you know, goes astronomically off in the first six weeks and makes, like, 300000 I don't think I'll be tra- trading him out before round 12. So, like, one of the reasons why I like Moses is because he, he plays round 12 and, and Fergo as well. Fergo is mm-hmm. pretty much a keeper. Mm-hmm. Um, but beyond that, I'm not looking at it too much. Yeah. Okay, so if we're only looking at uh, if we're only looking at potential keepers who play uh, round twelve, well, are there any in hooker? Damien Cook plays Origin. Cam Smith does not play round twelve. Don't think so. Um, McGuinness, 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 maybe. Yeah, but he's, he's he's fully priced for me. He's a you could get him as an Origin as, as a sorry. A, the first buy, buy round guy, but you'd probably be looking to get him in like round eight or something, or round ten. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, once like a Braley or a Coruscant is kind of maxed out. Yep. Um, I wouldn't start with. Yep. Yeah, in the front row, 
We got the the Manly guys, so Tapao and Fenua Blake. So Fenua Blake's injured, right? Yeah, I think he had like shoulder surgery over the over the off season, and he's like he might miss a, a couple of rounds early on. It's yeah, a bit of a shame. Yeah. I was actually considering him before I remembered that. He he yeah. was amazing last year, and again, like I know I've said that I don't like to buy guys that are maxed out, and maybe he was maxed out, but he really has that super coach friendly game. Manly played the first oh, yeah. buy, like he was just offloading all over the place. And and if you look at his stats, like they got better and better as the season progressed. There was a couple of games towards the end of the season where he played nearly eighty minutes. You told me if Newell Blake was going to yeah. play eighty minutes in a game like a couple of years ago, I would have laughed in your face. He was like so fat. He's still actually yeah, pretty so, fat, but he's like he's, he's still fat. He's still but fat. He's just but, got a big engine and, now. Like he's turned yeah, into a bit and of Des like a, him. a young Fafita. Yeah, yeah, he really has. Anyway, he's injured, um, so I think he's out. Tapao. Yeah, okay. Tapao was disappointing last year. I'm, I'm not going to get Tapao. Again, he's probably an option around, like, getting close to that round 12 buy. Yep. Uh, all right, second row, you've got Madison. Um, Madison could be a smoky for Origin. Yeah, it could be. It could be. Hey, um, so... Which second rower uh, – oh, I don't even know how to ask this question. I'm just going to come out with it. <laughs> Mitch Barnett. Mitch Barnett out-averaged Jai Arrow, um, CHN, Nakora, Nathan Brown. He was, he's the, he was the number nine second rower. Really? Yeah. You can have him. I don't, I don't want him. <laughs> don't want anything to do with him. Yeah, I yeah, I don't think there's a, there's anyone else in the second row. What about Lachlan um, Fitzgibbon? He had like a terrible season last year, didn't he? He did. He's, he did. Ah, uh, like I probably wouldn't go there, but oh, he's the I kind of guy that could have a bit of a bit of a bit of a turnaround. So hang on, who are the teams that that play? Read them out to me. Play that round. Uh, so yeah, so the Titans. Yeah, the Bulldogs. Yeah. The Eels, the Cowboys, the Knights and the Rabbitohs, the Dragons and the Sea Eagles. Okay. So I'm still considering Trent Merrin. Okay. Uh, he's a bit of a mid-ranger, but he's not really in that keeper area. Uh, mm-hmm. But you could probably keep him till round 12 maybe. I don't yeah. have him in my side at the moment, but... He's sort of similarly priced to Jack Williams, and I've got Jack Williams at the moment. But he's, you know, he's only thirty. Really? Yeah, he's only thirty. Seems like he's been around forever. Right. So yeah, you know, he, at four hundred k, he could still be all right. <laughs> Neither has Sally. Oh, don't go there. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, Marin's an option. Dragons, I All guess right. there's like what Vaughn plays Origin, James Graham, I think he's, he's never again, he's past it. Yeah, I don't think there's much of the Dragons, apart from maybe McGuinness later on. But who else did you say that Manly we talked about, Jervo plays Origin, I don't think to, like AFB's injured, so maybe later on to power, I'm not looking at. Um, right. Who else? So, yeah. If we go to if we go to halves, we've got Mitch Moses, um, yeah. who we've already spoken about. But in halfback, 
there's not really anyone else that that would really stand up there. Maybe Adam Reynolds. Maybe. Plays, That's a bit of plays Origin in the halves now that Maloney's gone. Uh, who was it? Who played Game Three? Was it was it Pierce and Maloney? Because was Cleary injured or something? Pierce got a run, didn't he? Yeah, Pierce got a run. Pierce and yeah, yeah, I think it was Pierce and Maloney. So it could very easily be Pierce and Cleary or Pierce and Keary, right? So Pierce yes. is a big shot origin. Yeah. 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 Uh, look, I yeah. I think basically I think, I think Keary's probably the shoe in, isn't he? And then maybe Cleary and, and Pierce are shooting out for the halfback spot. Yeah. I, I'd agree with that. Yeah. Um so our our fi- our five eighth guns who would play the first by Cody Walker, that's it. I think that's it. Again, he scored so many tries last year. He can't possibly do that again, can he? No, I don't think so. I think I think he's a closer to the to the buy round purchase. I don't think he can start with him. Um, who knows though? Yeah, yeah. In the centers. Um, Sivo might miss the first few rounds. After that, it's anyone's guess. Um, most of the most of the top tier centers or the expected top tier centers either play Origin. Um, Fogo. The, well, Fogo plays Origin. No, he doesn't. Doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He picked last year. That's right. It was Adokar and Kotrick, right? The Kotrick. Uh, it was Kotrick for one game. And then and it was like Whiten and Turbo in centers, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I suppose Whiten could potentially play 5-8 this year. Might be a center spot that opens up. Uh, He'll be there somewhere. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, potentially. Um Where were we? So, so yeah. So there's not really anyone in the centers, and then in fullback, again, like they either play Origin or they, um, uh, or they don't or play they round don't twelve. Play. Yeah, yeah. So it's not that many. So yeah. So really, the the players that you're talking about, the the fit the bill that 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 you're after, uh, maybe Cam McInnes. Maybe to Pal AFB, um, but I'm not going to start with any of them. Sure, Tamalolo definitely, um, Madison, Mitch Moses, Cody Walker. That's more or less it. Mm. So how many of those guys do you start with? Yeah, not that many. I've got Fergo Mo- Moses Tamalolo at the moment. I think that's it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's fair. I'm just trying to think. No. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty hard. But like, think about like you got 37 trades, right? Round 12. Mm-hmm. So that's what 11 rounds of trading, is it? That's 22 potential trades. Yeah. Like, I'm probably going to use, like, 
80% of those. So I could get a whole team of Origin Blades in that time. Uh, sorry, yeah, a whole team it, of non-Origin Buy players. Everyone says that, but very few teams end up with 17 players in round 12. Yeah, but, I mean, honestly, I think that's... So maybe the first three rounds of trading, you can you can throw in the bin for that. So you lose six there because you, yeah. you, the first three rounds of trading, at least, you, you're just trying to fix up your team, get the right cheapies, you know, jump on the on a couple of guys that are that are doing really well that you've missed. Um, so you lose six there, but that still leaves what fourteen. Mm-hmm. So if you've got at least fourteen, so you've got three. Um, so pretty much from about round five or six, I've got one eye on that, at least one eye on that, that first buy round, and I'm trading mostly. Like, I'm obviously trading to, to make my team as good as it can be, as fast as it can be, but I've, I'm definitely starting to look at buy players from about round five or six. Last year, oh, absolutely. Last year was an absolute disaster for my buy planning. I think right. I counted that I lost 13 guys between the two buys. What, the injury mostly? Like injury or getting picked in origin or not getting, like, getting suspended or something. There was, like, an absurd amount of guys. Like, I think, like, Kikau, I bought Kikau, like, two weeks before the, the buy and he just, like, got the flu or something that round. <laughs> <laughs> like, he literally didn't play just that one week. Yeah. Um, yeah. There was, like, oh, there, was, there was an insane amount of guys. And if that happens, your season's basically basically over right like you can lose like between those 13 guys i probably lost like you know if they score 50 each what is that like six seven hundred points yeah um yeah that's a lot of points to lose yeah sure is hey uh i've got a question for you it's a really really serious question okay hear me all right if I offered you $50 straight up to start Brad Parker this year in your team. Would you do it? No. $50. No, absolutely fucking not. $50. Why? Why? Why would I do it? It's $50, that's why. No, I don't see it as a being $50. I see it as throwing away $49,950. Hubris gets you nowhere. No way. It's 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 $50 for a guy who you could trade out after the first round if you want. I'm allowed to so trade him out after the first round, am I? Bad Parker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, after the first round. So basically, I'm offering you $50 to reduce your number of trades by one because you probably... You, was he that bad last year? He had a career high average of thirty-five points. <laughs> That's pretty shit. Uh, yeah, no, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to give me more than fifty bucks to start with it. I thought but he was talk like, about how life, many trades there are. In real life, you play pretty well, right? Defensively. Yeah. Okay. Like. You know, when I looked at that Manly back line, I remember it was about round two last year, I looked at the man, Manly back line, I think Turbo just got injured. And on paper, I was like, this is potentially 
the worst backline that's ever been picked in rugby league. It was like yeah. Brad Parker, Sully, they had a rookie, had like Brendan Elliott, Brendan Elliott, fullback, <laughs> like Kate Cost or something at a half at five eight. It was just yeah. like it was an absolute disaster on paper, and they played fucking well considering, mostly yeah. in defence. Yeah, they really did. Okay, like fine wine, fine wine. Brad Parker, he's getting better, mate. He's not fine wine. <laughs> Brad Parker is polenta. <laughs> Brad Parker. <laughs> what the like, fuck? What do you mean he's and, polenta? And said, In what sense is he polenta? Look, like you take a couple of mouthfuls, <laughs> tastes kind of like boring and plain. After a while, you're like, yeah, okay, you've got your place. I'm okay with you, polenta. <laughs> But you know, I'm never gonna be. I'm never gonna go to the restaurant and be like, I want polenta. I feel like you're insulting polenta by comparing it to Brad Parker. To be honest, I would be insulted if I was polenta. Well, I did think not much of polenta when I was younger, and I've come to appreciate it in the same way I have come to appreciate Brad Parker a little bit. But you know, why I've never plain. liked polenta because it sounds a little bit too much like placenta. Um. That's why. Yeah. Actually, don't mind it. Um, yeah, so what are you going to offer me for Bad Parker? $80. No, I like that. I want like $300. $300? Yeah, to start with Bad Parker. I guess that's that's my valuation on a trade, right? That's... I'm like, you're yeah, asking but, me to but, fuck up my whole Supercoach. This is my, I don't have much else apart from Supercoach, Polly. You asked me to fuck up a year of Supercoach. It's one trade. There's there are so many trades. Yeah, but you, you don't want to get off to a bad start. You wouldn't even play him. <laughs> but he'd be like three hundred k just sitting on the bench. <laughs> uh, you, you, look, mate, you'd sit on your bench for one. I'm not getting on your bench for one week. It's here on your bench actually, for one week. I'm actually not sure that you have enough money to give me, like, that you have access to enough money that you could actually make me get Brad Parker. That's how strongly I feel about it. <sighs> that that really disappoints me. <laughs> I'm <laughs> I'm really depressed. Oh my god. All right, dude. Uh, I gotta go. Good to chat. Um, let's do it again next week. It's a pleasure. Thank you very much. I'll speak to you next week. Thanks, mate. See ya. Bye.